Thank you, music team. I love that. That was great. That's probably one of my favorite qualities of God is faithfulness, because I make a lot of mistakes. Um, great way to start a sermon, right? Uh, it's great to be back with you in person. Uh, I think I'm just going to resound what Penny said, just seeing the smiling faces. Uh, last week, my wife and I, Joelle, came back from our honeymoon, and just in time for the first Sunday of like no restrictions, so it was amazing to see the smiling faces. And two of my favorite parts, uh, seeing the smiling faces, and the second was Penny's... Uh, Hugs welcome sticker, that was my favorite part, uh, so I got her to make me one this morning. Uh, I am a hugger too, so uh, please have grace on me if I come up to you and I don't like read your don't hug me posture, please just let me know or make it obvious, I'm kind of thick here. Uh, but it's good to be back, uh, and it's great to be here with you this morning. We're going to be looking at Psalm 25, uh, so if you have your Bibles, if you've got your stone tablets, your phones, pull those out, uh, we're going to be reading Psalm 25 this morning. Does anyone have stone tablet? No, we're good. Psalm 25 of David. And if you read the little footnote, it's an acrostic poem, uh, the song. So it begins with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, each line, uh, which we don't really get in English. I'll talk about that in a second. Let's read Psalm 25 together. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Don't let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in their ways he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the way they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. In another translation it says the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Don't let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. The book of Psalms, and as we're going through our, um, the summer of Psalms, I was going to say the Psalms of summer, no. Um, as we're going through it and reading this different book of the Bible, it's filled with a collection of uh, songs, of poems, and uh, of poetry, uh, and prayers, uh, written all throughout the history of Israel's time, and uh, we know a decent amount of the authors of these psalms. David wrote a, quite a few of them. Uh, there's about a third of them where it's anonymous, so we don't really know who wrote them. But um, it's a very different book than the rest of the Bible because it's not necessarily like a historical uh, telling of what happened in the past, although there are some psalms that describe that. Um, it's, more, it's more recounting what God has done in the personal lives of the people. Uh, it's, it's a book that gives a glimpse into the heart of, of God's people as they walked with him. 
uh, what everyday life would have looked like as they tried to relate to God in, in different time periods. And as Dustin Pastor said last week, um, the Psalms have been a large part of the worship for uh, centuries of Christians as we've come to know him. And they're here for us too, to give us words in order to relate to God, in order to understand, hopefully, and build our relationship with Jesus. So um, as we look at a bunch of these different Psalms over the course of the summer, uh, we step into the, the history of thousands and thousands of Christians who have gone before us in faith and have prayed these prayers as well. Uh, so Psalm 25, uh, like I mentioned, is, is more of a poem than a song because it's acrostic. If you read the little footnote, uh, it begins with each letter, each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet, um, which is really cool. But the problem is that when we translate it from Hebrew into English, it doesn't translate so well, so we don't get the same type of poetry used here. Uh, and the problem with poetry really is, too, that it doesn't translate so well when uh, we're moving between languages. So I think a lot of the beauty is lost when we read this psalm uh, just as it is, and it kind of makes it hard to understand as well at times. But um, I just want us to understand that every culture has their own form of poetry, right? So um, in English, uh, for instance, you know, our form of, of art and poetry, we like to use uh, repetition is one of those things. We like to use rhyme. Uh, we like to use repetition. Uh, we always use the appreciated alliteration. Uh, we use uh, repetition as well. Um, but Japanese culture, for instance, uh, they sometimes have a different style of poetry, right? The haiku uh, is more of a form of rhyme and using a specific syllable pattern. And so uh, acrostic even poetry, uh, where it's either using the first letter to spell out a word. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, he's got one called Elizabeth, if there's any poetry fans out there. Anyway, uh, but this was common in a lot of Greek uh, poetry. Now, because Psalm 25 is a poem, because it has this uh, poetic style to it, it doesn't uh, necessarily have a good sequence of, of thought to it. So it doesn't necessarily go uh, from one continued thought right to the next piece, right to the next piece. Um, so uh, David jumps back and forth between prayers, between uh, expressions of confidence in God, uh, petitions where he asks God for help um, instead of having like an overarching theme. So last week we looked at Psalm 23. And there is the idea that God is our shepherd. Um, and in Psalm 1, we have uh, the idea that there's the righteous versus the unrighteous. But in Psalm 25, it's kind of just a lot of, okay, yeah, he's thrown out a lot of the same um, styles of, of praises, of petitions. Uh, but what we do learn in the psalm, and I think we're going to unpack this hopefully a little bit today, uh, is what a relationship with God looks like. And... And in turn, what our relationship with God can look like. So uh, just as I was preparing for this, I kind of asked three main questions, and I hope we can unpack these a little bit um, in understanding how, how we can have a relationship with God, especially after we've made mistakes. So uh, the first question I want to look at, how should we approach God? Uh, how, how do we actually have a relationship with a perfect being that's kind of invisible that we can't really see? Uh, second, how do we have a relationship with God when we've made mistakes? because that's probably only a couple of us. Um, and third, how can we be confident in our faith after we've made mistakes? How can we be confident in, in our faith knowing that we are sinful, broken people? Now, um, always sharing a story of my own personal failures is, failures is an easy way of relating. So I remember back when I was, I was in high school, um, 
I attended youth here at Leduc Fellowship Church, and uh, we would go on retreats to Camp Caroline, which I'm really hoping we can get back to this year with the youth. But um, on these retreats, they were an amazing time where you got to uh, spend time with your leaders, with the other youth uh, all across Alberta, too. And you got to sing songs together. You got to live life, share meals, play games. And, um, and there was always a phenomenal speaker who uh, preached on a certain topic, whatever it was. And if you've, if you've gone to like a, you know, Breakforth, uh, YC in the past, there's many different kind of events, conferences, stuff like that. Uh, you can usually come away from those weekends feeling really close to God. Uh, you can come away kind of, if you've heard the Christianese, the spiritual high, uh, where you feel really close to God. You're really uh, pumped to live for your faith and you come back to uh, your mundane life with all this momentum, like you've just been given an adrenaline shot in your faith or something. And... I remember uh, this one particular retreat, I came back super pumped to live my faith out, and it was an incredible weekend. I'd been, uh, been a little more vulnerable with my youth leaders, with uh, the other youth, and, um, and so I remember I wanted to keep that momentum going when I came home. I was like, okay, Scott, you, know, you, always, you always come back from these weekends where uh, you, know, you experience God, you, you figure out how to learn, uh, listen his, to his voice, learn how to read the scripture, and then you just tank when you come back. You go into your normal life. So I don't want to keep doing that. I want to actually grow in my faith. So um, I remember I was walking to school one day. It was late November, and um, I remember yeah, it was quite a bit of snow on the ground because we live in Alberta. And as I was walking, I remember one thing that the, the pastor had talked about as we were sitting over at Camp Caroline. And uh, he was preaching on 2 Corinthians 5-7, which says, I walk by faith and not by sight. And I was, uh, I was about two blocks away from the school still. And I was like, yeah, you probably see where this is going. Um, I was like, God, I want to live out my faith. I want to be real with this. I don't want this to be something that is just thrown out the next day. I want to actually practically grow in my faith. And so being the great interpreter of scripture that I am, um, I decided to close my eyes, pray, and then try and walk the rest of the way to school. Um, now, thankfully, I didn't get run over by a vehicle, um, but it was only about like 30 steps later that, and it was kind of at the point where I was getting a little bit confident. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually making it. Um, I walked and face-planted right into a snowbank. Now, um, a little ridiculous, but I was trying to live out my faith. I thought I could interpret scripture on my own and go forwards with what I thought faith was. And I'm betting you guys are a little bit smarter than I was at that time because, uh, like I said, I thought I could interpret it all on my own and I could literally take the scripture and run with it. Uh, but I remember after this happened, I did have a hard time trusting in God. I had a hard time believing him when I prayed because I felt let down in a sense. I, I tried to follow him, and, and he didn't come through for me. Like I, I, I found it hard to pray to the point of even asking God for anything or trusting him because I already tried before. What's the point in trying again? I, I took a step in my faith, and it face-planted me into the ground. And I was kind of taking the wrong verse. I should have been reading Proverbs where it says, the righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. Um, but after, after I failed, I found it hard to come back to God. And I think that we can get stuck at this point in our faith. I think that there's some of us who get stuck at this point in our faith. Like, you've tried to follow God. You, you, you've tried praying and reading your Bible, but it doesn't seem like you can actually hear from Jesus. It doesn't seem like you can actually have a relationship with him. And you, you get discouraged because he doesn't answer your prayer at times either. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths 
Guide me in your truth and teach me. David doesn't say, I will be guided by my truth. He says, guide me by your truth. And at times, we, we try to come to God with our own agenda. We want Jesus to do something the way we want instead of accepting that he is the way. And that's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, one of the first lines of that prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done. Our relationship with Jesus isn't one where we come to him and expect himself to align with our will. It's where we come to him and give up our will and try and accept his, try and align ourselves to him. Jesus instead asks us to pursue the truth, real truth, not the stuff the world offers and tries and telling you. He calls us to align ourselves with his will instead of demanding he go along with ours. Now, uh, David gives us a really good example here in Psalm 25 of how to approach God because in our 21st century understanding of truth, um, in our postmodern society, we're very subjective. Uh, we're very... Truth is not uh, truth for everyone. It's, it's whatever I believe. It's very subjective. It's up to my interpretation of it. Uh, you know, we, we believe a lot of times that there is no absolute truth. There is nothing uh, that's true for me and for you. Whatever is my truth is my truth, and whatever is your truth is your truth. And there's nothing right and wrong in the world. It's up to me, whatever I think is right and wrong. So when we have this subjective understanding of truth, and we can see it out there in the world when we try to become whatever we want to become, when we try to get others to go along with what we think is right, um, and try and uh, call out other people when we think that they're wrong, even when it's just our interpretation. But the subjective understanding of truth, when we, when we bring that into our relationship with God, it doesn't get us anywhere. It's, it's allowing our hearts to go wherever they want. It's, it's us changing truth to fit our lifestyles instead of accepting that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Instead, we live lives our own way and hope